This Christmas season, over the last few weeks, uh, our goal has been to see and really to truly see the Savior of Christmas. And that has been my goal as we've moved to these last few messages. That has been my hope. That has been my prayer in that all of the craziness. And think about the, the swirl of craziness that goes on and all of the, the busyness. And, and you think about we've got this to do and this to do and this party to attend and all of the busyness, all of the chaos of this season that we would on these mornings from God's word that we would actually stop and marvel at our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that has been my hope, is that we would come to God's word and we would actually stop and we would marvel at our Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, this morning, I think that we're missing that today. And I'll just tell you, I truly believe we're, we're missing that today. We, even as Christians, uh, we are very quick to say Jesus is the reason for the season. We want to we wanna make sure that's known. We're, we're very quick to say that we need to keep Christ in Christmas, and you hear that all the times, or, 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 or sometimes we, we want to make sure that our stores are saying Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays. But friends, I, I believe today, even us as Christians, and maybe sadly even us as Christians, we have lost the astonishment with the amazing events of Christmas. More than that, we've lost our amazement at the Savior of Christmas. Well, let me tell you, my prayer is this. My hope is this, that in God's word today that we would regain some of that. Now, the weird thing is we are doing that not in Luke and not in Matthew, but we're doing that in the Old Testament book of Micah, a book that was written about 725 years before the birth of our Savior there in Bethlehem. And so that's, that's a pretty interesting thing. We're not in those gospel accounts that tell of his birth. We're actually in a book that was written 725 years before the birth of Christ. Today is our last message, and really it's going to kind of progress through all of the messages. And I want to ask this. I want to ask that you would just follow with me this morning as we move through all of these verses with the hope of seeing our Savior. Today we're going to add the first part of verse 5, but I'm going to read again this morning all of the preceding verses from the preceding two weeks. So today our verses are found in Micah chapter 5, today verses 2 through 5. Micah chapter 5, today verses 2 through 5. Today we're going to see once again the one from Bethlehem, the one from Bethlehem. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. The one from Bethlehem. Micah chapter 5, beginning here in the second verse, it says this. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. Then the remainder of his brethren will return to the sons of Israel. And he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will remain. Because at that time he will be great to the ends of the earth. And now our verse 5. This one will be our peace. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We come, we're thankful for such a gracious God, such a kind God, such a marvelous God, so astounding. We're thankful for Jesus Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our hope, the one from Bethlehem. Lord, I, I pray that in, in all these things that we do today, all the things that we take up today, the, the offering that we'll raise, the songs that we sing, the, the prayers of our heart, that you would be known and that you would be glorified. Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ is glorified today. Lord, I pray as we now look at your word, I, I know it is living, I know it is active, I know it speaks today. And so, Lord, I come and I ask for the supernatural enablement to speak this truth. I, I pray, Lord, that we would hear with spiritual ears, that we would, we would hear it in our heart, that it would change and adapt our mind, and that, again, you would be known and you would be glorified in that. Lord, I pray for some in this room that do not know Jesus Christ. And, and you know their situation, Lord. Maybe, maybe they've been here a million times. Maybe this story has become numb to them. Or maybe they're here and they're going to hear for the very first time. I pray, Lord, whatever the, whatever the circumstance is, that today you would open their ears and they would hear the truth of our Savior. Lord, I pray thanking you that we have hope today, thanking you that we have peace today, that we have the forgiveness of sin today. I lay all this at your feet. We worship you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The one that we want to see today, the one that we want to, to gaze upon today is this one from Bethlehem. And you're going to hear that throughout the message. It is this one from Bethlehem. And I want us to set our focus on that one. I want us to, to fix our gaze upon this one from Bethlehem. Now this morning, let's again move along and let's assemble these pieces of the truth of who this one is. Now if you remember from the very first week, we looked at verse 2. And really verse 2 is a very profound verse, a very deep verse. It's really pretty crazy, all of the things that are entailed there in this second verse. Well, we looked at this second verse, and we saw this progression moving through the verse, and I'm going to walk through it this morning. We saw that this one from Bethlehem first is the seed of the woman from Genesis chapter 3. They're doomed in their sin. There, with the, the consequences of sin now unfolding. There is the very first glimmer of light. And in Genesis chapter 3, it says, the seed of the woman will crush the serpent's head. Well, understand this morning, that seed is the one from Bethlehem. Do you understand that? That seed, that first glimmer of hope, it now shines bright in the one from Bethlehem. Now, let me say this here, and it's off topic, but I, I want to go ahead and say this. Be very sure today, Satan is our enemy. Be sure of that. He is a very real enemy. Sometimes we want to make him too much. Sometimes we want to dismiss him, but he is a very real enemy. He is a dangerous enemy. He is a vicious enemy. But friends, I want you to hear this today as we come up on Christmas. He is a defeated enemy. 
Understand today with the death and the burial and the resurrection of, of this one from Bethlehem, he is a defeated enemy. The, the, the seed of the woman will crush his head, and in the resurrection of Christ, he stands as a defeated enemy. And so this one from Bethlehem is the seed of the woman. Also, this, this one from Bethlehem is the seed of Abraham. Remember Abraham, the man of faith? the one with whom God made his covenant, the one here in Bethlehem, this one of Bethlehem, he is the seed of Abraham. He is the descendant of Abraham. And so first, he's the seed of the woman. Second, he is the seed of Abraham. Next, we saw that the one from Bethlehem is the hope of nations. And that through him, and really understand this, only through him all nations will be blessed. Now that was the promise that was made to Abraham. His seed would be the hope of nations. Be sure and hear that today. Listen, the hope of all people is this one from Bethlehem. Sometimes we act like, well, we have, a, we have an American hope and maybe they have a, a, a Middle Eastern hope. Listen, the hope of all people any person, the hope of all people, any person that's ever going to find hope, they're going to find it in this one from Bethlehem. And so see this. He is the seed of the woman. He is also the seed of Abraham, and he is the hope of nations. Then it moves along, and we see this. The one from Bethlehem is from the tribe of Judah. He is from the tribe of Judah. Remember in Genesis 49, the authority to rule was given and will be given to the descendants of Judah. And so understand, the one that has the authority to rule will be a descendant, will be of the tribe of Judah. Well, listen, this one from Bethlehem, he is of the tribe of Judah. This, this city, this town, in fact, were the descendants of Judah. And so see this. This one from Bethlehem, he's the seed of the woman. He's the seed of Abraham. He is the hope of nations. He is also from the tribe of Judah. Then we see this one from Bethlehem is of the lineage of David. He is of the lineage of David, meaning he is a descendant of King David. Now, what that means is this. He has the position of to rule from. Not only does he have the authority to rule from, now he has the position to rule from. The Bible says he shall rule as king on the throne of his father, David. Listen, he is king and he has the position to rule on the throne of King David. Friends, I, I, I think about this and I think probably in that time for sure, but I think also in our time as well. Friends, here, here's something I think we're, we're missing, something that's been missed. This little baby of no regard, no room in the inn, laid in a, in, a, in a stable, born in a stable, placed in a manger, this little baby of no regard is born as the king of Israel. More than that, listen, he is born as the king of all kings. Listen, he doesn't have to grow up to become king. He doesn't have to mount up an army to become the king. He doesn't have to produce something to become the king. He is born as the king of Israel, the king of all kings. 
He's got the position. He rules on the throne of his father, David. And so see this. It continues to build. He is the seed of the woman. He is the seed of Abraham. He is the hope of nations. He is of the tribe of Judah. He is in the lineage of David. And then we saw this. He is the son of God. Now, I don't know. All these things are are tremendous. This is pretty awesome. This one of Bethlehem, this one from Bethlehem is God himself with the power to save. Man, that's that's unreal. This one, this little one, this baby that cried out, that, that drew in its first breath, he is God himself with the power to save. The one from Bethlehem is God. Now, we know the Bible is very clear in revealing to us the truth of the Trinity. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Well, this one we see, the one from Bethlehem, he is the Son of God. He is God now in human flesh, and that is this one born in Bethlehem. Now, I was thinking about this yesterday afternoon, and I don't want to go crazy here. I don't want to go crazy, period, but I don't want to go crazy here. But I do want you to see this. Did you know, here's this one from Bethlehem. Did you know he made several appearances in the Old Testament? Now, not not in in the same way, not like this. But do you know we find the pre-incarnate Savior in the Old Testament? Let me, let, me, let me tell you some instances. He is the one, this one of Bethlehem. He is the one that blesses Abraham in Genesis chapter 18. Later, he is the one who steals his knife. Remember, he draws back the knife and he's going to sacrifice his son. He is the one who steals his knife in Genesis chapter 22. Listen, listen to Genesis chapter 22, verses 11 and 12. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Angel means one sent. But the one, the one sent of, of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Verse 12, listen to this. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad and do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, listen, your only son from me. From me. Listen to this. The one that stopped the sacrifice himself would be born to be the sacrifice. Do you understand how tremendous that is? He's the one that blessed Abraham. He's the one that stealed Abraham's knife. Not only that, he's the one who wrestled with Jacob in Genesis chapter 32. That account there, I will not let you go until you bless me. He's the one. He is the one who wrestled with Jacob. More than that, listen to this. He is the captain of the Lord's army who meets Joshua in Joshua chapter 5. They're outside of Jericho. He's the one who meets Joshua there and he prompts Joshua to say, what does my Lord have to say to me? He is the God of angel armies. I sit there and think about a few months back, I was 
I was preaching as Jesus came and he made that final trip to Jerusalem, made that final trip and he made those miles all the way to the cross of Calvary. And the Bible tells us that he, he crosses the Jordan River and he comes to the ancient town of Jericho. Jesus does. He's on his way to the cross. He's on his way to pay the price of our redemption. And he crosses past the Jordan River. He goes past this little city of Jericho. Thousands of years he'd been there earlier. He's the God of angel armies. He stood there before. Not only that, I continue on. He's, he's the comforter of the prophet Elijah. Remember the account there? He is the one who himself comes and he cares for his tired servant. That's in 1 Kings chapter 19. Now I think that's pretty tremendous. Here is the, here is the man of God. Here is the, the prophet of God. And he, is, he has found himself in despair. He's found himself and, he's, and he's, he's, he's tired. And he doesn't send somebody else, but he goes himself. And read the account. He takes care of him. He tends to him. He cares for the man of God. Do you know he is the fourth person in the fiery furnace? Do you know that's him? This one from Bethlehem? This one here. He's the one that blessed Abraham. He's the one that held his knife. He is the, the fourth person in the fiery furnace. In Daniel chapter 3 it says, and did we not put in three, but now we see four. Listen, he is the protector from the flames of destruction. He is the protector from, from a certain demise. It says, not a head on their not a hair on their head was even singed. Not even the smell of smoke came out with them. He is their defender. It's this one of Bethlehem. Over and over we read he's the one that fought for Israel in the, in the book of Joshua, the book of, of Judges. He is the, the conqueror that brought them into the promised land. No way could they do that on their own. He is the conqueror, this one of Bethlehem. He is that one. The one of Bethlehem is God himself. And so this one from Bethlehem, he's the seed of the woman. He's the seed of Abraham. He's the hope of nations. He's from the tribe of Judah. He's of the lineage of David. He is the son of God. But then we also see this. He's the son of man. He's the son of man. And what that means is this. He is our near of kin. He is of flesh and blood who is able to save us. He is our kinsman redeemer, the one that has the right because of his humanness to purchase us back, to redeem us back from the debt of our rebellion. That's who he is. He's God, fully God. He's fully man, able to come and redeem mankind from the debt of their sin. And so this one, he is the seed of woman. He is the seed of Abraham. He is the hope of all nations. He is from the tribe of Judah. He's in the lineage of David. He is the son of God. He's also the son of man. And then it tells us this. This one from Bethlehem is the promised Messiah. He is the promised Messiah. It means he is the, he is the Christ. He is the anointed one of God. This one from Bethlehem, he is the promised Messiah. That verse tells us that the promised one was, was promised in ancient words. And so this wasn't a new thing. This was, this was from ancient times. This was the thing that was foretold by the prophets. This is the thing that is confirmed by the apostles. The one of Bethlehem, is the promised Messiah. And so keep going with me. Here we go. This, this one of Bethlehem, he is the seed of the woman. 
He is the seed of Abraham. He is the hope of all the nations. He is from the tribe of Judah. He is in the lineage of David. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is the promised Messiah. And then it goes on. He is the eternal one. He is the eternal one. He is the one who was and the one who is and the one who is to come. Listen, he is the only one who can say, when you ask him, who are you? Who shall I tell him sent me? Who are you is what Moses says. He's the only one that can say, I am. I am self-existent. You want to know who I am? That's who I am. I am self-reliant. I depend upon nobody for my existence. I depend on nobody for anything. I am. I am before all things. I am after all things. I am the alpha and the omega. He's the only one that when you ask him who he is can say, I am. Listen, this one from Bethlehem, I am. He is the eternal one. So this one of Bethlehem, he is the seed of the woman. He is the seed of Abraham. He is the hope of all the nations. He is of the tribe of Judah. He is in the lineage of David. He is the son of God. He is the son of man. He is the promised Messiah. He is the eternal one. Listen, that is this one. That is this one. Listen, are you adding all that up? All of those things, not some of those things, all of those things, that is this one. Now, if that wasn't enough, friends, if that's not enough, last week we saw that this one of Bethlehem is not only the one who has come, but he is the one who is to come. And what an awesome thing that was to see last week. He, 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 he is not only the one who has come there in Bethlehem, he is the one who is to come again. And just as we are sure about his first coming, we can be just as certain at his next coming. Listen, he is coming again. He is coming again. Just as sure as we celebrate the events of Bethlehem, just as sure as we are at the first coming, we can be just as certain at his next coming. We can count on it. He is coming again. Man, this world's hard. Man, this world's messed up. Man, I see things happening I didn't think would happen 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Man, I don't, I don't know. It looks like hope's being crushed out of people. I look around and there's despair in their eyes and there's, there's broken relationships and there's garbage and there's divorce and there's sickness and there's all these things. And you start to wonder, my land's this event from 2,000 years ago. Yes, we pin our hopes on it. Listen, he came once and just as sure as he came, he is coming again. He is coming again. Verse 4 ends and it says this, and he will be great to the ends of the earth. Remember the word great from last week? It means revered. He will be revered to the end of the earth. Let me just tell you, I love that. I, I love that. As I think about what happens to Christ, as I think about all the things that Christ does to secure my salvation, as I, as I see what happens to him, I love that. I love this. Let me tell you why. It means this. It means when he comes again, listen, it's going to be different. 
That's why I love that. When he, when he comes again, it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same as when he came the first time. You see, when he first came the first time, he came in humility. But when he comes this time, it's not going to be in humility. It's going to be in exaltation, and they will exalt the one from Bethlehem. When he came the first time, he suffered. He was the suffering servant. When he came, he was rejected. But listen, when he comes this time, he'll do no suffering. To a cross, he'll not go. When he comes this time, he'll be glorified. When he came the first time, I can't believe it, but it's the reality. I had a part in this. When he came the first time, sinful man crowned him in thorns. And into that perfect head of the perfect Lamb of God, they pushed thorns into his head and the blood ran down. Let me tell you, it won't be that way the second time. When he comes the second time, he will be crowned in splendor, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. It won't be the same. Last time they mocked his name. Last time they made fun of his name. Oh, from from Galilee, nothing good comes from there. We know his family. Listen, The next time, the Bible says of this one of Bethlehem, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess he is Lord. Listen, he's coming again. He's coming again. Now, that brings us to today. That brings us to this Christmas's final piece that we're going to assemble. That is the one from Bethlehem. All of those things, he's coming again. This Christmas, here's the final piece. Verse five says this. This one will be our peace. Let me walk you through that. This one, in the original language, in the Hebrew, this one, it literally means this. It translates this. The one, a definitive one, a definite one. Be sure it is in this one, the one, and it is in no other. Now hear me this morning. Hear me very carefully. I don't know if you're astounded yet. I don't know if you're amazed yet. But I want you to think about this. I don't, I don't know if you're sitting there going, I can't believe all this. I can't believe all this is tied into the baby that was born in Bethlehem and how deliberate that is. I don't know if you're astounded yet, but I want you to hear this. Do you see how clear God makes this? Do you see how pinpoint clear God is here? You see, there's, there's no guessing here. Do you know how many people are wondering around? I, I, I don't know. I'm wondering. I'm guessing. I'm wondering if Allah is it, or I'm wondering if, if Joseph Smith was speaking the truth. I'm wondering. I don't, I don't know. I don't have that assurance. Do you see there is no guessing with God? Do you see there is no wondering with him? Do you see how pinpoint clear this is? Listen, we need a Savior. We need a Savior. We're lost without a Savior. We need a hope. We have no hope outside of a Savior. We long for the Messiah. He was promised the Savior of God. He will come. He will deliver you. We long for the Messiah. But listen, not just any will do. Many are going to come and they're going to speak this name. Many are going to come. They're going to try to lead you astray. Not just any will do. And so God says, if you want to make sure It is this one. 
and it will be the seed of the woman. But not only that, it'll be the seed of Abraham. But not only that, he'll be the hope of nations. But not only that, he'll be from the tribe of Judah. But not only that, he'll be in the lineage of David. But not only that, he's the righteous, the rightful king. But not only that, he'll be the son of God, God himself. But not only that, he'll be the son of man, the kinsman redeemer, the one that has the right to redeem. But not only that, he'll be the promised Messiah, the one that the prophets foretold of, the one that the apostles have now confirmed. He'll be the promised Messiah. But not only that, he'll be the eternal one. He'll be in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's without a start and without an end, but not only that. He will come once, and you'll mark it, and a bunch of folks will miss it. But just as sure as he came, he's coming again. And so he says this, if your hopes are pinned on anyone, listen, they're safe to be pinned on this one, the one from Bethlehem. This one. Then it says this, will be. This one will be. Will be means this, it translates this. Shall be, will come to pass, will be established. This one, that one. This one will be. Now what that means, let me make it very simple for you. What that means is this, as sure as he is those things, he will bring to pass the next thing. Now, I want you to hear that twice. I want you to be sure of that. He is all of those things. He is verifiably all of those things. And so here in verse 5, it is saying is this, as sure as he is those things, he will bring to pass the next thing. Do you see the assurance in that? Do you see the confirmation in that? Listen today, we, we believe by faith, we're saved by faith, but understand today, it's not a blind faith. It's not an ignorant faith. We can go back and say, look, from Genesis 3, he is the seed of the woman. Look, from Genesis 15, 16, and 17, he is the seed of Abraham. Look, he actually is the hope of all the nations. Look, he is of the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49. As sure as he is those things, as sure as he confirms those things, he will establish the next thing. Man, I can't say that clearly enough, can I? As sure as he is those things, he will establish the next thing. It says this, and this one will be our peace. And this one, that one, the one from Bethlehem, will be as sure as he is those things, he's going to establish this thing. This one will be our peace. In the Hebrew, in the original language, the word for peace is shalom. It has a very, that's what I love about this, it has a very deep meaning. It has a very complex meaning, a very, a very profound meaning. Here, here's what shalom, he, he will bring peace, he will bring shalom, he will be that. Here, here's what that means. Shalom means soundness. It means 
completeness. Now listen, it means welfare or well-being. This one will be our well-being. This one will be our completeness. This one will be our soundness. It means the absence of issues. It means the absence of problems. In Isaiah, it says, this one will be called the Prince of Peace. In the Gospels, this one from Bethlehem says, peace I give you, not as the world gives, I give. Go with me here. Do you know ever since the very first sin, ever since that rebellion in the garden, there's been no peace? Do you understand that ever since that very first sin, ever since that first rebellion there in the garden, there's been no peace? No peace, there's no peace. There's strife and there's division. There's gossip and there's slander, but there is no peace. There's pride and there's self-proclamation, self-promotion. There's prejudice today, but there is no peace. There's hatred. There's war after war after war. There's crime in the streets today, but there is no peace. There's guilt and there's shame and there's brokenness, but there is no peace. There is no peace. There's been no peace ever since that first sin. There's sickness. There's death. There's loss. There's graves, there's headstones, and God's people, we weep and we weep and we weep, we weep, but there is no peace. And in all the things that we can do, all the things that we can muster up, we can find no peace. Listen, we might educate ourselves, we might build great things, we might try to take a path that leads us in a different direction, but of all the things that we can put together, there is no peace. And we exist and we're broken and we're ruined and we're stained and we're beyond repair and there is no peace. Ever since that first sin, there is no peace. Oh, but look here. This one of Bethlehem doesn't bring peace. It's not what it says. He doesn't give peace. It says this. This one from Bethlehem, he is our peace. Friends, I haven't said it. (laughs) And let me just tell you, it's been hard. I, I haven't said it for this whole message. It's been hard, but I haven't said it. But this one, the one of Bethlehem, This one, the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the descendant of Abraham through all nations that will be blessed, the hope of nations, the only hope any nation's ever gonna have, this one from the tribe of Judah, the lineage of David with the, of Judah with the authority to rule from the lineage of David, a right to the throne, the king himself, the son of God, the son of man, the promised Messiah, the eternal one, always has been the eternal one, the one that came once and we see it, the one who's come to, is gonna come again and we're promised 
the, the one who is our peace. Listen, this is the crazy thing of Christmas. The one who is our peace, he is born this day. He's delivered this day. He's handed to his mother this day and he has a name and you shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from his sins. Listen, peace has a name and it's named on Christmas morning. His name is Jesus. Jesus is his name. And this one, Jesus, will be our peace. Listen, if you're ever gonna find peace with man, if you're ever gonna have peace with a holy God, you'll not find it anywhere or in anyone but in the person of Jesus. Jesus, he's the one, the seed of the woman, Jesus, the one, the rightful heir to the throne, Jesus, the eternal one, Jesus, the prince of peace, Jesus. His name is Jesus. Verse five says that. This one will be our peace. The word shalom here, the word for peace here, the most literal meaning, listen to me, the most literal meaning of that word shalom in the Hebrew is this. It is well. Run from the garden forward. Broken from the garden forward. Run in our very own sin. Listen, I can't blame the garden. I sin. Ruined in my sin, stained in my sin, guilty in my sin, ruined, ruined, despairing, ruined. But in the one from Bethlehem, even so, even so, it is well. It is well with my soul. That is our Savior. That's the one from Bethlehem. That is our Redeemer. Stained and ruined in my sin, even so, even so, it is well in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I'm so astounded at my Savior Jesus, Lord. I'm so thankful for your grace and your kindness that in the wreckage that I make, and the chaos that I brew and the trouble that I've sown, that this one from Bethlehem, this one, all those things, that he secures and has secured, has delivered himself our peace. Lord, on this Christmas day, on this Christmas break, I praise the one from Bethlehem. I cling to the one from Bethlehem. Lord, help us to glorify the one from Bethlehem. Help us to preach and to proclaim the one from Bethlehem, Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray here for some that, that have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray that today would be that day. I pray that you've stirred in their hearts, that you've moved in, your, in, in their hearts, and it was your word, not mine. It was your word. But in the hearing of the truth of your word, that today they might put their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray for those here that have made that decision. I pray we'd have a renewed appreciation, a renewed love, a depth of love for the one of Bethlehem. 
the one that was all those things, that he might do this thing, that he would be my peace, that I might say, it is well. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We, we open this up before you. We ask now in our time of invitation that you move, that you work, that you lead, that you speak. And I pray that you're glorified through it. And I pray all of it in the powerful name, the name of Jesus. Amen.